from the rule of our Holy Father Saint Benedict, chapter the 71st. Ut obedientes sint sibi invicem fratres, that the brethren be obedient one to the other. Not only is the excellence of obedience to be shown by all to the abbot, but the brethren must also obey one another, knowing that by this path of obedience they shall come unto God. The commands then of the abbot, or the superiors appointed by him, to which we allow no private orders to be preferred, having the first place, let all the younger brethren obey their elders with all charity and vigilance. And should anyone be found refractory, let him be corrected. But if a brother be rebuked by the abbot, or any of the superiors, for the slightest cause, or if he perceive that the mind of any superior is even slightly angered or moved against him, however little, let him at once, without delay, cast himself on the ground at his feet, and there remain, doing penance, until that feeling be appeased, and he giveth him the blessing. If anyone should disdain to do this, let him either be subjected to corporal chastisement, or, if he remain obdurate, let him be expelled from the monastery. But thou, o Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. St. Benedict here calls obedience a boon. Boon. The word boon means something that is helpful or beneficial. It can mean an advantage. That is, a good thing. Obediencia bonum, non solum abati exibendum essa bonibus, sed etiam sibi indicem, ita obediant fratres, scientes per hanc obediencia diam seguiturus ad deum. When the young Father Joseph Marmion left his work as a priest of the Archdiocese of Dublin, the Abbey of Maratsu, he said, when asked for an explanation of his decision, he said that he wanted above all else to have the boon of obedience in his life, the advantage of obedience. A monk is blessed with opportunities for obedience from before sunrise until after dark, and this every day of his life. St. Benedict says in chapter 5, the first degree of humility is obedience without delay. This becometh those who hold nothing dearer to them than Christ. Even amongst hours of sleep are an act of obedience. The fundamental obedience of the monk is to the order and rhythm of the day. He is to practice the injunction 
of chapter 43, literally. The hour of divine office, as soon as the signal is heard, let everyone, leaving whatever he had in hand, hasten to the oratory with all speed, yet with gravitas, seriousness, so that no occasion be given for levity. Similarly, a rigorous punctuality in coming to work, meals, conferences, and recreations is an expression of obedience. Behold, my beloved speaketh to me. Arise, make haste, my love, my dove, my beautiful one, and come. The motor of such obedience, the thing that drives such obedience, is the love of Christ. I obey out of love for Christ, believing that every act of obedience, even the smallest, unites me more closely to him. The monk says, with the bride of the canticle, I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I will seek him whom my soul loveth. And nowhere does the loving soul find the divine bridegroom more certainly, more securely than in obedience. I will seek him whom my soul loveth. All of these opportunities for obedience are set in the context of obedience to the abbot, of which St. Benedict speaks in chapter 7. The third degree of humility is that a man, for the love of God, again the motor that drives obedience, for the love of God, submit himself to his superior in all obedience, imitating the Lord, of whom the apostle said, he was made obedient even unto death. In the right ordering of obedience, the commands of the abbot and of the superiors appointed by him, each in his own area of responsibility, hold the first place. In today's chapter, however, St. Benedict invites his monks to yet another expression of obedience, obedience to one another. So highly does St. Benedict value this obedience that he calls it the path by which one shall come unto God. The word obedience derives from the two Latin words ob and audire, which mean to put oneself before another in order to hearken to him. To give one another, to give another one's full and ready attention, to listen to instruction with a view carrying it out. Certain familial and professional antecedents can make this obedience more challenging. The brother, for instance, who is the firstborn in his family, will have grown up accustomed to being in charge. Similarly, one 
who has exercised the teaching profession will always need to rein back his impulse to hold forth, to expound on things, to enlighten those around him with the dazzling brightness of his learning. St. Benedict would have each monk listen to his brother with a readiness to learn from him, to change, to defer to his wishes. This kind of obedience is the undoing of attachment to one's own suppositions, views, and opinions. And as such, it frees a man to follow Christ in true poverty of spirit. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Amen. I say to you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And when they had heard this, the disciples wondered very much, saying, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, beholding, said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. There is one more thing in this chapter that must not be overlooked. It is the practice of kneeling before the abbot or before the superiors appointed by him or even before a brother to ask pardon for an offense. This is to be done spontaneously and without delay. The abbot responds with a blessing and thus things are set aright. Clearing the way for a new beginning, a fresh start. The Apostle describes the impetus given by obedience out of love for Christ. He says, Not that I have already won the prize, already reached fulfillment. I only press on in the hope of winning the mastery as Christ Jesus has won the mastery over me. No, brethren. I do not claim to have the mastery already, but this at least I do, forgetting what I have left behind. Intent on what lies before me, I press on with the goal in view, eager for the prize God's heavenly summons in Christ Jesus. This last phrase of the apostle is, is something that I you know, I'm always saying I'd like to inscribe certain texts on the walls of the monastery. This certainly should be uh, on the wall of uh, the Novitia Common uh, when we have one. Forgetting what I have left behind, intent on what lies before me, I press on with the goal in view, eager for the prize, God's heavenly summons in Christ Jesus.